When I started preparing this podcast, my intent was to look at this from the approach of Jesus in his discourse with Simon Peter, where he restores Peter to the faith and entrusts him to care for his followers. But somehow I was redirected to Ezekiel's 16th chapter. And this talks about God's love for Jerusalem and Jerusalem's betrayal of that love. And this left God angry and jealous, determined to remind her from where she came and how he cared for her and chose her to be his bride, how she willfully betrayed him and prostituted herself to any and everyone who passed by. He tells her her sins were worse than Sodom's, and he will punish her. The topic of tonight's podcast, love is an action verb. Before I get into those two accounts, I came across something else as I was doing research. This was an account of a woman desperate to find love, and she had a list outlining what she was looking for. Somebody that was great looking, a good provider, who doesn't smoke, who loves kids, has a good sense of humor, and is not intimidated by her success. Now, she finally finds someone who checked all the boxes, but she still doesn't know. Maybe he's not the one. I don't want to get stuck with the wrong guy. Doubt. Now, two things came to my mind as I read this. Her list is little more than a shopping list, a grocery list for which you find your items and you pick them and you put them in your basket and you take them to the counter and you pay for them. What type of marriage, because that's what she was seeking, what type of marriage were you going to get if you're going to have to pay for certain qualities? The second thing that came to my attention was she gives no indication into what she is offering, what she brings to the deal. So she finds the guy that checks all the box. He meets all her criterias. The relationship doesn't work. He finds another and marries another. She is still looking. Let's think about that as we look at love is an action verb. Reading now, John, 21st chapter, beginning at the 15th verse, Jesus talking with Simon Peter. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He said unto him again, Feed my sheep. He said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. 
This is what I hear. Peter, do you love me? Show me. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Show me. Feed my sheep. Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him. And I think the three times was to let him know how serious, how complete this love has to be because of what Jesus is asking him to do. Jesus is about to leave. So he's restoring Peter to his place in the faith. And not only that, he wants him to lead the followers, to care for them in his absence. So Peter has to know the significance of what Jesus is really asking him. And we find that, yes, Peter professes his love again for the third time to Jesus. And he lives his life into old age doing two things, proclaiming the gospel and feeding the flock of Jesus. Now we know that this is the same Peter that denied Christ three times, denied even knowing him. And the funny thing about it was, it was after he had declared, unasked, unsolicited by Jesus, where Peter proclaimed adamantly, he adamantly professed his love two times. He said, I will lay down my life for you in John thirteen thirty six and 37. And again, he says, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Matthew twenty three thirty three, But when crunch time came, Peter denied even knowing him. Despite all of that, Jesus loved him enough to restore him to the faith. He trusted him enough to put him in charge to lead his chosen people, his followers, after he has gone. Love is an action verb. The action that Peter had to put forth was proclaiming the gospel and feeding the flock of Jesus. Now this one is a little hard to do because God is angry and jealous and determined to punish Jerusalem for her betrayal. He speaks to her in the voice of an angry, jealous husband who has watched his wife not only sleep with anyone who passes by, but who also has slaughtered her own children so she could offer them as a sacrifice. Very hard to read the words of God as he talks about his chosen Jerusalem as the unfaithful wife. Reading now Ezekiel 16th chapter. The Lord said, Ezekiel, son of man, remind the people of Jerusalem of their disgusting sins, and tell them that I, the Lord God, am saying, Jerusalem, you were born in the country where Canaanites lived. Your father was an Amorite, your mother a Hittite. When you were born, no one cut you loose from your mother or washed your body. No one rubbed your skin with salt and olive oil and wrapped you in warm blankets. Not one person loved you enough to do any of these things, and no one even felt sorry for you. You were despised, thrown into a field, and forgotten. 
I saw you lying there, rolling around in your own blood, and I couldn't let you die. I took care of you, like someone caring for a tender young plant. You grew up to be a beautiful young woman with perfect breasts and long hair, but you were still naked. When I saw you again, you were old enough to have sex, so I covered your naked body with my own robe. Then I solemnly promised that you would belong to me and that I, the Lord God, would take care of you. I washed the blood off you and rubbed your skin with olive oil. I gave you the finest clothes and most expensive robes, as well as sandals made of the best leather. I gave you bracelets, a necklace, a ring for your nose, some earrings, and a beautiful crown. Your jewelry was gold and silver, and your clothes were made of only the finest materials and embroidered linen. Your bread was baked from fine flour, and you ate honey and olive oil. You were as beautiful as a queen, and everyone on earth knew it. I, the Lord God, had helped you become a lovely young woman. You learned that you were attractive enough to have any man you wanted, so you offered yourself to every passerby. You made shrines for yourself and decorated them with some of your clothes. That's where you took your visitors to have sex with them. These things should never have happened. You made idols out of the gold and silver jewelry I gave you. Then you sinned by worshiping those idols. You dressed them in the clothes you got from me. You offered them the olive oil and incense I gave you. I supplied you with fine flour, olive oil, and honey, but you sacrificed it all as offerings to please these idols. I, the Lord God, watched this happen. But you did something even worse than that. You sacrificed your own children to the idols. You slaughtered my children so you could offer them as sacrifices. You were so busy sinning and being a prostitute that you refused to think about the days when you were young and were rolling around naked in your own blood. Now I, the Lord God, say you are doomed. Not only did you do these evil things, but you also built places on every street corner where you disgraced yourself by having sex with anyone who walked by. And you did that more and more every day to make me angry. You even offered yourself to Egyptians who were always ready to sleep with you. So I punished you by letting those greedy Philistine enemies take over some of your territory. But even they were offended by your disgusting behavior. You couldn't get enough sex, so you chased after Assyrians and slept with them. You still weren't satisfied, so you went after the Babylonians. But those merchants could not satisfy you either. I, the Lord God, say that you were so disgusting that you would have done anything to get what you wanted. You had sex on every street corner, and when you finished, you refused to accept money. That's worse than being a prostitute. You were nothing but an unfaithful wife who would rather have sex with strangers than with your own husband. Prostitutes accept money for having sex, but you bribe men from everywhere to have sex with you. You're not like any other prostitute. 
Men don't ask for sex. You offer to pay them. The Lord said, Jerusalem, you prostitute. Listen to me. You chased after lovers, then took off your clothes and had sex. You even worshipped disgusting idols and sacrificed your own children as offerings to them. So I, the Lord God, will gather every one of your lovers, those you liked and those you hated. They will stand around you, and I will rip off your clothes and let all those lovers stare at your nakedness. I will find you guilty of being an unfaithful wife and a murderer, and in my fierce anger, I will sentence you to death. Then I will hand you over to your lovers, who will tear down the places where you had sex. They will take your clothes and jewelry, leaving you naked and empty-handed. Your lovers and an angry mob will stone you to death. They will cut your dead body into pieces and burn down your houses. Other women will watch these terrible things happen to you. I promise to stop you from being a prostitute and paying your lovers for sex. Only then will I calm down. And stop being angry and jealous. You made me furious by doing all these disgusting things and by forgetting how I took care of you when you were young. Then you made things worse by acting like a prostitute. You must be punished. I, the Lord God, have spoken. The Lord said, People will use this saying about you, Jerusalem. If the mother is bad, so is her daughter. You are just like your mother, who hated her husband and her own children. You were also like your sisters, who hated their husbands and children. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. Your older sister was Samaria, that city to your north, with her nearby villages. Your younger sister was Sodom, that city to your south, with her nearby villages. You followed their way of life and their wicked customs, and soon you were more disgusting than they were. As surely as I am the living Lord God, the people of Sodom and its nearby villages were never as sinful as you. They were arrogant and spoiled. They had everything they needed, and they still refused to help the poor and needy. They thought they were better than anyone else, and they did things I hate, and so I destroyed them. Your people of Jerusalem have sinned twice as much as the people of Samaria. In fact, your evil ways have made both Sodom and Samaria look innocent. So their punishment will seem light compared to yours. You will be disgraced and put to shame because of your disgusting sins. The Lord said to Jerusalem, Someday I will bless Sodom and Samaria and their nearby villages. I will also bless you, Jerusalem. Then you will be ashamed of how you acted, and Sodom and Samaria will be relieved that they were not as sinful as you. When that day comes, you and Sodom and Samaria will once again be well off, and all nearby villages will be restored. Jerusalem, you were so arrogant that you sneered at Sodom. But now everyone has learned how wicked you really are. The countries of Syria and Philistia, as well as your other neighbors, hate you 
and make insulting remarks, you must pay for all the vulgar and disgusting things you have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. The Lord said, Jerusalem, you deserved to be punished because you broke your promises and ignored our agreement. But I remember the agreement I made with you when you were young. So I will make you a promise that will last forever. When you think about how you acted, you will be ashamed, especially when I return your sisters to you as daughters, even though this was not part of our agreement. I will keep this solemn promise, and you will know that I am the Lord. I will forgive you, but you will think about your sins and be too ashamed to say a word. I, the Lord God, have spoken. To fully understand God's anger with Jerusalem requires a historical look at the various power struggles and takeovers of both Judah and Jerusalem and how the people of Jerusalem interacted with those people and the kingdoms that surrounded them, how they responded and interact with their captors. They worshipped idols. They turned to foreign powers, including Egypt and Assyria and Babylonia. They lived by the customs of their captors instead of by the law of God. No wonder he was ticked off. A takeaway about Jerusalem. God called her a murderer, an unfaithful wife, more sinful than Sodom ever had been. Sodom and Samaria looked innocent compared to Jerusalem. Another takeaway about Sodom in Ezekiel sixteen forty-eight and 49, he talks about Sodom's iniquity, what her problem was, and it was pride. They were spoiled. They had everything they would ever need, but they would not help the needy. That was the problem with Sodom. Would not help the needy. As the passage relates to the subject, love as an action verb, well, we see a lot of that on the part of God, beginning with Ezekiel 16, verse 6 through 14, where God commanded her to live. He saw her as she lay abandoned, destined to die. And he chose, he commanded her to live. He cleaned her up and clothed her in the finest of clothes and jewelry. He fed her the best of food. He helped her to look beautiful. And it didn't end there. Ezekiel sixteen fifty nine through 63, he talks about forgiving her and how he will make another covenant. And that covenant will last forever, he tells her. I will forgive you, but you will also remember your sin, what you have done. Love is an action verb. It requires you do something. This is Evelyn Bowden, and I look forward to joining you again. Thank you.